0: And I don't know about you, but I just love our church. I'm so grateful for all that God does throughout the course of, of the, a year. It's amazing that another year has come and is almost gone, but I praise God for our church family. I want to take a few minutes tonight, and I think this is the most important thing we'll do this evening. I want to go to the scriptures for a few moments, and I want to go to the gospel of Luke chapter two. We're going to put these verses up on the screen behind me so you can follow along with me and Look at the words of the text. Today, we're gonna to just allow God's word to speak to our lives this Christmas Eve. Luke chapter two in verse four, four through 14 says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Verse eight says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, verse 14, could we read this together? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, what we've just read today is uh, the beginning of a message that has circled the globe for the last 2,000 years. Every nation every people group, every dialect that has ever been impacted by the gospel can trace their story and their steps back to this moment, to this field, to this announcement, and to these shepherds. And I want to just show you quickly tonight three key steps that I see in this story of what happened after they received that message. I want to tell you about the word the witness, and the world. And as we look at these steps, here's my prayer for us in this service, that God would speak to us as we trace the steps of the shepherds and that God would give us our next steps. I I don't know what you need today. I don't know what your uh, 2019 has been like or what your outlook for 2020 is, but I pray that God will give you clarity in these next few moments about your next step Let me talk for a moment about the word. Verse eight, if we look at it again, it said there were shepherds living out in the field. You know what stood out to me when I read that this Christmas? Because it seems like it's always something different every time I read the story. But these men were going about their everyday routine. This was a normal moment for them. It doesn't say they were visiting. It doesn't say they happened to be coming through the area. It says very clearly in verse eight, they were living out in the fields. And can I just announce to us tonight that one of the beautiful realities of the gospel is this, the gospel comes to you. Isn't that good news? That the gospel comes to you, that it finds you, that it meets you where you are. Now, the way they heard the message was exceptional. I mean, it was, it was supernatural. You know, An angel appears from heaven, and then suddenly they're surrounded by a, a, a whole choir of angels, and, and it's miraculous the way that the message came to them. But can I say that the way that the message comes to you is no less powerful than the way it came to them? And the reason I can say that is because the power of the message is not in the messenger. The power of the message is in the word. It's in the word. Maybe you first heard the message at a vacation Bible school over the summer or or maybe it was in a Sunday school class as a child. I'm sure there are many here that you heard the message because of a conversation with a friend or maybe with a parent. Perhaps, maybe there's someone tonight, you're hearing the message for the first time Listen, no matter how the message comes to you, the message is just as powerful. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 1.16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. What did he say was the power of the gospel? He said, the message, the gospel is the power unto salvation. Not me, not the messenger. Not the the angels that came to tell the shepherds. It's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And coming from a guy like Paul, I think that's pretty significant. Paul wrote over one-third of the New Testament. The guy was brilliant. And yet even Paul said he didn't put his his stock in his own ability to communicate the gospel. In fact, he he wrote another letter to the church in in Corinth, and he said this. He said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power listen this message certainly is deserving of an angelic choir I mean we we couldn't afford one I'm sorry but it's 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 deserving unfortunately you get me okay you just get me and I promise you I'm gonna give it my best hacking and coughing the whole way through it I'm gonna give you my best to tell you the message but you need to know the power is not in the messenger the power is in what they received that night and it's the same for you and for me it's the word that has power. It's more than a story. The word is a person. In fact, the apostle John said in John 1:14, he said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only father, the one who came from the father, full of grace and truth. He's talking about G- Jesus. He said, Jesus is that word. And we sang it together earlier. You sang it so beautifully. Word of our Father, now in flesh appearing. O oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. See, after you receive the word, the next step is to respond to him. The word has appeared. Now we come and we respond to him so that you can experience him for yourself. And that's the word witness. Uh, an eyewitness is a powerful thing. Somebody that's gone and seen something for themselves has a whole lot more credibility than a person who's heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who who heard somebody that used to be there. And the shepherds got to be eyewitnesses. Look at verse 15 again in our story. It says, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go and see it for ourselves, they said. See, the good news of the gospel is that it's an invitation for each and every person to be a personal witness. You don't have to just take somebody else's opinion for it. See, Jesus didn't just show up for the elite. He didn't just show up for a a certain class of people. He didn't just show up for specific individuals. He came for anyone and for everyone that would seek him. That's what it means to be a witness, to be someone that says, I can personally testify to what I have seen and what I've heard. Maybe you've heard the gospel before. Maybe you've heard it many times before. But I want to ask you a question. Have you witnessed it? I mean, have you experienced it? Not just, I know the story. Yeah, we have a nativity at our house. Yeah, we read the story every Christmas. Yeah, I'm familiar with all this. But have you witnessed it for yourself? Have you experienced it? Gone beyond hearing the gospel to actually pursuing and engaging the gospel. There's a beautiful invitation I I love to quote out of Psalm 34, eight, because it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the invitation of the gospel, that we don't just hear it or that we just review it. We get to actually experience it. We get to actually, with our senses, be moved By the word made flesh. When the angel visited the shepherds, the message was this. A savior is born to you. They went on to say, you'll find a baby. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. See, the good news of Christmas is not just Christ has come. The real good news is Christ has come to you. That he comes to us. He comes and he meets us where we're at. And we have the opportunity to experience him years later Jesus himself speaking about this experience made an offer in John chapter 37 or John 737 he said if anyone be thirsty let him come to me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water see the invitation is is for anyone anyone who's thirsty can come but what you have to do to be satisfied is you have to come and drink You have to be thirsty. And Jesus, in his own way, was saying to us what Psalm 34 said. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. See, we have this invitation today that calls us to be a witness of the good news that will cause great joy. And once you've actually witnessed the good news, not just the story of the good news, but you've experienced the good news that causes great joy, then like the shepherds, we're compelled to share the message with others. And that's the third word, the world. Look with me one more time at verse 17 in the text. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, I got to be honest, when I read that statement, even now, it doesn't seem that significant. But can you just imagine for a moment if that wasn't there? Just imagine if they hadn't spread the word. Or or, or more than that, why don't you make it personal and imagine the person that told you about Jesus. Come on, if you're here today because you love Jesus, because he's your Lord, because you want to worship him on Christmas Eve, just imagine for a moment if the person that led you to Jesus never brought him up. Imagine if someone that loved you, maybe a Sunday school teacher or a parent or a grandparent or, or somebody that influenced you on your job, And and they, they love God with all their heart. They've got the greatest news that brings joy, but they never told you about it. See, every one of us, no matter what your story is, we can trace it back to this moment. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. I gotta tell you today, my whole life has been changed because somebody told me this good news. My whole life's been changed. And, and now I want to tell you what this good news means. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, that means me, that means you, that means no one in this room meets the standard of righteousness that we would be required to meet, to be acceptable in God's sight. But there's good news. It says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, while we still fall short of God's glorious standard, while we still don't measure up or gain access into his presence, he demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news. That's the message. Now, when the shepherds received it, it was prophetic. This is the good news that will cause great joy to all the people because it's good news that Christ has come to die for the sins of the world. And then in Romans, it goes on to tell us in chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of those sins is death. But this is why it's such good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our lord amen? amen that's the hope that we have that's the reality of this good news now the question is have you shared that news with anyone i mean we can all think for a moment what would it be like if nobody shared it with me but there's somebody in line behind you there's somebody in line behind me that's waiting for somebody who heard the word and was a firsthand witness to the power of the gospel to turn and share that word with the world. Who have you told about the message? Today we're gonna do something that that I think is so significant. As the people of God, we're gonna receive communion together. Now there should be in a cup holder near you some communion elements. I wanna invite you to, to take those and our ushers are coming now to serve our front row, and then anyone that uh, doesn't have a communion cup, just raise a hand, they'll be looking for you, they'll give you one, I want to make sure you're able to participate, and so they'll be serving you, just put a hand up, they'll come to you. We're going to receive communion together, and I'll forewarn you, those little cups can be a little tricky, there's two layers, the top layer peels back, and you'll find a little wafer of unleavened bread. And then the second layer peels back, and that's where you'll find the juice. If you'll just hold on to those for a moment, and if you've got small kids with you, please, uh, parents, we'll trust your judgment if you want them to participate or if you want to hold on to those elements for them. I'll let you be the decider on that. But let me explain while they serve you the significance of these symbols. Jesus gave us the unleavened bread and the grape juice to symbolize this salvation that is ours in Christ. And when we receive the bread and when we receive the juice together, we're saying that we believe the message that the angels gave to the shepherds. I want to read it to you one more time out of verse 11 in Luke chapter two. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born To you, He is the Messiah, the Lord. When we receive the elements of communion, it's an an outward statement of our agreement with this verse Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus said, Every time you eat this bread, You do it to remember my body. That's what the unleavened bread represents, the body of Jesus, that wasn't just born as a babe in a manger, but a a body that grew up and lived a perfect, sinless life, did miracles, taught, and ultimately was sacrificed on a cross so that we could receive salvation. The gift of God demonstrated while we were still sinners he died that body was broken and he said this juice this cup represents my blood and as we drink the juice we we're remembering how precious and how valuable the blood of Jesus was because it was his blood that purchased our salvation you know the bible says that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins In other words, God in his perfect mercy and in his perfect justice created a way for wrath to be punished and for grace to be given. And the way he did it was through a substitutionary work. It was your punishment and my punishment that deserved God's judgment. And it had to be judged because God is just, But in his mercy and in his grace, he said, I'm not gonna put the wrath on you. I'm sending my son Jesus to take your place. He's gonna receive the punishment that should have been ours. So the question that we have to ask ourselves when we come to these moments in worship is simply this. Do I believe that he is the Messiah? Do I believe, first of all, that that I'm a sinner? That I do deserve the wrath of God because there's nothing in and of myself that deserves heaven. That's what the Bible communicates to us, that we've all sinned. But secondly, do I believe that God is gracious enough and loving enough that he would receive his son's sacrificial death on the cross as a payment for my sin so that I can have a relationship with God? And if you would say, yes, I believe that. I believe Jesus is my Messiah he's the Lord then I want to invite you to participate with us in this moment as we are about to eat the bread and drink the juice I want to invite you to let this be a statement of faith Now, sometimes in the church, we ask people to respond by raising their hands and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. Sometimes we ask people to walk an aisle and come to an altar. I don't know what your church tradition has been, if you have one at all. Maybe it was to just fill out a card and say, I accept Jesus. But today, I'm asking you to let your response be the symbols that Jesus himself gave us of his sacrifice, the bread and the juice. I'm going to pray and then we're going to receive these together. And I want to invite you as you receive them to just say, Jesus, I believe your sacrifice is enough. I receive your body and your blood for my salvation. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to receive the elements together. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you right now with hearts full of gratitude for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us with your precious blood. Thank you for paying for our sins on the cross. Thank you that today there is nothing keeping us from finding full acceptance in the eyes of the Lord, no mistake of our past, no failures of others, there's not a person here who was born into the, into the wrong family or in the wrong time because the gospel comes to us where we are. And God, today, we, we have heard the word and we want to taste and see the goodness of God as sure as we'll taste the bread and the juice. God, we want to experience the power of your love in saving us. And God, we pray that your spirit would live on the inside of us and propel us to take this message to a world that still needs to hear it. Thank you, Jesus, for grace today. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.